Chapter Ten of Allen and the Holy Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Allen and the Holy Flower by H. Rider Haggard. Chapter Ten. The Sentence. We stared at Bowsey, and Bowsey stared at us. I am the Black Elephant Bowsey, he exclaimed at last, worn out by our solid silence, and I trumpet, I trumpet, I trumpet. It appeared that this was the ancient and hallowed formula with which a Mazuti king was wont to open conversation with strangers. After a suitable pause, I replied in a cold voice, We are the white lions, Macumazahan and Wazela, and we roar, we roar, we roar. I can trample, said Bowsey, and we can bite i said haughtily though how we were to bite or do anything else effectual with nothing but a union jack i did not in the least know what is that thing asked bowsey pointing at the flag that which shadows the whole earth i answered proudly a remark that seemed to impress him although he did not understand it for he ordered a soldier to hold a palm-leaf umbrella over him to prevent it from shadowing him and that he asked again pointing to the music-box which is not alive and yet makes a noise. "'That sings the war-song of our people,' I said. "'We sent it to you as a present, and you returned it. Why do you return our presents, O Bowsey?' Then of a sudden this potentate grew furious. "'Why do you come here, white men?' he asked. "'Uninvited and against the law of my land, where only one white man is welcome.' my brother dogeetah who cured me of sickness with a knife i know who you are you are dealers in men you come here to steal my people and sell them into slavery you had many slaves with you on the borders of my country but you sent them away you shall die you shall die you who call yourselves lions and the painted rag which you say shadows the world shall rot with your bones as for that box which sings our war-song i will smash it it shall not bewitch me as your magic shield bewitched my great doctor imbozi burning off his hair then springing up with wonderful agility for one so fat he knocked the musical box from hans's head so that it fell to the ground and after a little whirring grew silent that is right squeaked imbozi trample on their magical elephant kill them o oh, black one burn them as they burned my hair now things were i felt very serious for already bowsey was looking about him as though to order his soldiers to make an end of us so i said in desperation o oh, king you mentioned a certain white man dogeetah a doctor of doctors who cured you of sickness with a knife and called him your brother well, he is our brother also, and it is by his invitation that we have come to visit you here, where he will meet us presently. If Dogeetah is your friend, then you are my friends, answered Bowsey, for in this land he rules as I rule, he whose blood flows in my veins as my blood flows in his veins. But you lie. Dogeetah is no brother of slave-dealers. His heart is good, and yours are evil." you say that he will meet you here when will he meet you tell me and if it is soon i will hold my hand and wait to hear his report of you before i put you to death for if he speaks well of you you shall not die 
now i hesitated as well i might for i felt that looking at our case from his point of view bausi believing us to be slave traders was not angry without cause while i was racking my brains for a reply that might be acceptable to him and would not commit us too deeply to my astonishment mavovo stepped forward and confronted the king who are you fellow shouted bausi i am a warrior o king as my scars show and he pointed to the assegai wounds upon his breast and to his cut nostril i am a chief of a people from whom your people sprang and my name is mavovo mavovo who is ready to fight you or any man whom you may name and to kill him or you if you will is there any one here who wishes to be killed no one answered for the mighty-chested zulu looked very formidable i am a doctor also went on mavovo one of the greatest doctors who can open the gates of distance and read that which is hid in the womb of the future therefore i will answer your questions which you put to the lord macumazahan the great and wise white man whom i serve because we have fought together in many battles yes i will be his mouth i will answer the white man dogeeta who is your blood brother and whose word is your word among the mazitu will arrive here at sunset on the second day from now i have spoken bausi looked at me in question yes i exclaimed feeling that i must say something and that it did not much matter what i said dogeeta will arrive here on the second day from now within half an hour after sunset something i know not what prompted me to allow that extra half hour which in the event saved all our lives now bausi consulted a while with the execrable imbausi and also with the old one-eyed general babima while we watched knowing that our fate hung upon the issue at length he spoke white man he said imbausi the head of the witch-finders here whose hair you burnt off with your evil magic says that it would be better to kill you at once as your hearts are bad and you are planning mischief against my people so i think also but babema my general with whom i am angry because he did not obey my orders and put you to death on the borders of my country when he met you there with your caravan of slaves thinks otherwise he prays me to hold my hand first because you have bewitched him into liking you and secondly because of you should happen to be speaking the truth which we do not believe and to have come here at the invitation of my brother dogeeta he dogeeta would be pained if he arrived and found you dead nor could even he bring you to life again this being so since it matters little whether you die now or later my command is that you be kept prisoners till sunset on the second day from this and that then you will be led out and tied to stakes in the market-place there to wait till the approach of darkness by when you say dogeeta will be here if he arrives and owns you as his brethren well and good if he does not arrive or disowns you better still for then you shall be shot to death with arrows as a warning to all other stealers of men not to cross the borders of the mzitu i listened to this atrocious sentence with horror then gasped out we are not stealers of men o king we are freers of men as tom and jerry of your own people could tell you who are tom and jerry he asked indifferently well it does not matter for doubtless they are liars like the rest of you i have spoken take them away feed them well and keep them safe till within an hour of sunset on the second day from this then without giving us any further opportunity of speaking 
bausi rose and followed by imbausi and his councillors marched off into his big hut we too were marched off this time under a double guard commanded by someone whom i had not seen before at the gate of the kraal we halted and asked for the arms that had been taken from us no answer was given only the soldiers put their hands upon our shoulders and thrust us along this is a nice business i whispered to stephen oh it doesn't matter he answered there are lots more guns in the huts i am told that these mazitus are dreadfully afraid of bullets so all we have to do is just break out and shoot our way through them for of course they will run when we begin to fire i looked at him but did not answer for to tell the truth i felt in no mood for argument presently we arrived at our quarters where the soldiers left us to camp outside full of his warlike plan stephen went at once to the hut in which the slaver's guns had been stored with our own spare rifles and all the ammunition i saw him emerge looking very blank indeed and asked him what was the matter matter he answered in a voice that for once really was full of dismay the matter is that those mazitu have stolen all the guns and all the ammunition there's not enough powder left to make a blue devil well i replied with a kind of joke one perpetuates under such circumstances we shall have plenty of blue devils without making any more truly ours was a dreadful situation let the reader imagine it within a little more than forty-eight hours we were to be shot to death with arrows if an erratic old gentleman who for aught i knew might be dead did not turn up at what was then one of the remotest and most inaccessible spots in central africa moreover our only hope that such a thing would happen if hope it could be called was the prophecy of a kaffir witch-doctor to rely on this in any way was so absurd that i gave up thinking of it and set my mind to considering if there were any possible means of escape after hours of reflection i could find none even hans with all his experience and nearly superhuman cunning could suggest none we were unarmed and surrounded by thousands of savages all of whom save perhaps babemba believed us to be slave traders a race that very properly they held in abhorrence who had visited the country with the object of stealing their women and children the king bausi a very prejudiced fellow was dead against us also by a piece of foolishness which i now bitterly regretted as indeed i regretted the whole expedition or at any rate entering into it on the absence of brother john we had made an implacable enemy of the head medicine man who to these folks was a sort of archbishop of canterbury short of a miracle there was no hope for us all that we could do was to say our prayers and prepare for the end mavovo it is true remained cheerful his faith in his snake was really touching he offered to go through that divination process again in our presence and demonstrate that there was no mistake i declined because i had no faith in divinations and stephen also declined for another reason namely that the result might prove to be different which he held would be depressing the other zulus oscillated between belief and scepticism as do the unstable who set to work to study the evidences of christianity but sammy did not oscillate he literally howled and prepared the food which poured in upon us so badly that i had to turn on hands to do the cooking for however little appetite we might have it was necessary that we should keep up our strength by eating what mr Cortamin asked sammy between his tears is the use of dressing viands that our systems will never have time to thoroughly assimilate the first night passed somehow and so did the next day and the next night which heralded our last morning i got up quite early and watched the sunrise never i think had i realized before what a beautiful thing the sunrise is 
at least not to the extent that i did now when i was saying good-bye to it for ever unless indeed there should prove to be still lovelier sunrises beyond the dark of death then i went into our hut and as stephen who had the nerves of a rhinoceros was still sleeping like a tortoise in winter i said my prayers earnestly enough mourned over my sins which proved to be so many that at last i gave up the job in despair and then tried to occupy myself by reading the old testament a book to which i have always been extremely attached as a passage that i lit on described how the prophet samuel for whom i could not help reading imbauzi hewed a gag in pieces after bowsy i mean saul had relented and spared his life i cannot say that it consoled me very much doubtless i reflected these people believe that i like a gag had made women childless by my sword so there remained nothing save to follow the example of that unhappy king and walk delicately to doom then as stephen was still sleeping how could he do it i wondered i set to work to make up the accounts of the expedition to date it had already cost one thousand four hundred twenty three pounds just fancy expending one thousand four hundred twenty three pounds in order to be tied to a post and shot to death with arrows and all to get a rare orchid oh i reflected to myself if by some marvel i should escape or if i should live again in any land where these particular flowers flourish i would never even look at them and as a matter of fact i never have at length stephen did wake up and as criminals are reported to do in the papers before execution made an excellent breakfast what's the good of worrying he said presently i shouldn't if it weren't for my poor old father it must have come to this one day and the sooner it is over the sooner to sleep as the song says when one comes to think of it there are enormous advantages in sleep for that's the only time one is quite happy still i should have liked to see that cypripedium first oh drat the cypripedium i exclaimed and blundered from the hut to tell sammy that if he didn't stop his groaning i would punch his head jumps regular jumps who'd have thought it of quatermain i heard stephen mutter in the intervals of lighting his pipe the morning went like lightning that is greased as sammy remarked three o'clock came and mavovo and his following sacrificed a kid to the spirits of their ancestors which as sammy remarked again was a horrible heathen ceremony much calculated to prejudice our cause with the powers above when it was over to my delight the bemba appeared he looked so pleasant that i jumped to the conclusion that he had brought the best of news with him perhaps the king had pardoned us or perhaps blessed thought that brother john had already arrived before his time but not a bit of it all he had to say was that he had caused inquiries to be made along the route that ran to the coast and that certainly for a hundred miles there was at present no sign of dogita so as the black elephant was growing more and more enraged under the stirrings up of imbauzi it was obvious that the evening ceremony must be performed indeed as it was part of his duty to superintend the erection of the posts to which we were to be tied and the digging of our graves at their bases he had just come to count us again to be sure that he had not made any mistakes as to the number also if there were any articles that we would like buried with us would we be so kind as to point them out and he would be sure to see to the matter it would be soon over and not painful he added as he had selected the very best archers in beza town who rarely missed and could most of them send an arrow up to the feather into a buffalo then he chatted a little about other matters as to where he should find the magic shield i had given him which he would always value as a souvenir etc took a pinch of snuff with mavovo and departed saying that he would be sure to return again at the proper time it was now four o'clock 
and as sammy was quite beyond it stephen made himself some tea it was very good tea especially as we had milk to put in it although i did not remember what it tasted like afterwards now having abandoned hope i went into a hut alone to compose myself to meet my end like a gentleman and seated there in silence and semi-darkness my spirit grew much calmer after all i reflected why should i cling to life in the country whither i travelled as the reader who has followed my adventures will know were some whom i clearly longed to see again notably my father and mother and two noble women who were even more to me my boy it is true remained he was alive then but i knew that he would find friends and as i was not so badly off at that time i had been able to make a proper provision for him perhaps it was better that i should go seeing that if i lived on it would only mean more troubles and more partings what was about to befall me of course i could not tell but i knew then as i know now that it was not extinction or even that sleep of which stephen had spoken perhaps i was passing to some place where at length the clouds would roll away and i should understand whence too i should see all the landscape of the past and future as an eagle does watching from the skies and be no longer like one struggling through dense bush wild beast and serpent haunted beat upon by the storms of heaven and terrified with its lightnings nor knowing whither i hewed my path perhaps in that place there would be no longer what st paul describes as another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin perhaps the past would be forgiven by the power which knows whereof we are made and i should become what i have always longed to be good in every sense and even find open to me new and better roads of service i take these thoughts from a note that i made in my pocket-book at the time thus i reflected and then wrote a few lines of farewell in the fond and foolish hope that somehow they might find those to whom they were addressed i have those letters still and very oddly they read to-day this done i tried to throw out my mind towards brother john if he still lived as indeed i had done for days past so that i might inform him of our plight and i am afraid reproach him for having brought us to such an end by his insane carelessness or want of faith whilst i was still engaged thus babemba arrived with his soldiers to lead us off to execution it was hans who came to tell me that he was there the poor old hottentot shook me by the hand and wiped his eyes with his ragged coat-sleeve oh baas this is our last journey he said and you are going to be killed baas and it is all my fault baas because i ought to have found a way out of the trouble which is what i was hired to do but i can't my head grows so stupid oh if only i could come even with Mbausi, i shouldn't mind but i will i will if i have to return as a ghost to do it well baas you know the predicant your father told us that we don't go out like a fire but burn again for always elsewhere i hope not i thought to myself and that quite easily without anything to pay for the wood so i hope that we shall always burn together baas and meanwhile i have brought you a little something and he produced what looked like a peculiarly obnoxious horse-ball. "'You will swallow this now, and you will never feel anything. It is very good medicine that my grandfather's grandfather got from the spirit of his tribe. You will just go to sleep as nicely as though you were very drunk, and wake up in the beautiful fire which burns without any wood, and never goes out for ever and ever. Amen.' "'No, Hans,' I said. 
I prefer to die with my eyes open. And so would I, Baas, if I thought there were any good in keeping them open, but I don't. For I can't believe any more in the snake of that black fool Mavovo. If it had been a good snake, it would have told him to keep clear of Beza town. So I will swallow one of these pills and give the other to Baas Stephen. And he crammed the filthy mess into his mouth and with an effort got it down, as a young turkey does a ball of meal that is too big for its throat. Then, as I heard Stephen calling me, I left him invoking a most comprehensive and polyglot curse upon the head of Imbauzi, to whom he rightly attributed all of our woes. "'Our friend here says it is time to start,' said Stephen, rather shakily, for the situation seemed to have got a hold of him at last, and nodding towards old Babemba, who stood there with a cheerful smile, looking as though he were going to conduct us to a wedding. "'Yes, white lord,' said Babemba, "'it is time.' I have hurried so as not to keep you waiting. It will be a very fine show, for the black elephant himself is going to do you the honour to be present, as will all the people of Beza town and those for many miles round. Hold your tongue, you old idiot, I said, and stop your grinning. If you had been a man and not a false friend, you would have got us out of this trouble, knowing as you do very well that we are not sellers of men, but rather the enemy of those who do such things. "'Oh, white lord,' said Babemba, in a changed voice, "'believe me, I only smile to make you happy up to the end. "'My lips smile, but I am crying inside. "'I know that you are good, and have told Bowsy so, "'but he will not believe me, who thinks that I have been bribed by you. "'What can I do against that evil-hearted Mbowsi, "'the head of the witch-doctors, "'who hates you because he thinks you have better magic than he has, "'and who whispers day and night into the king's ear, "'telling him that if he does not kill you, "'all our people will be slain or sold for slaves, "'as you are the scouts of a big army that is coming. "'Only last night Mbauzi held a great divination in Daba, "'and read this and a great deal more in the enchanted water, "'making the king think he saw it in pictures, "'whereas I, looking over his shoulder, could see nothing at all, except the ugly face of Imbauzi reflected in the water. Also he swore that his spirit told me that Dogita, the king's blood brother, being dead, would never come to Beza town again. I have done my best. Keep your heart white towards me, O Macumazahan, and do not haunt me, for I tell you I have done my best. And if ever I should get a chance against Imbauzi, which I am afraid I shan't, as he will poison me first, I will pay him back. Oh, he shall not die quickly, as you will. I wish I could get a chance at him, I muttered, for even in this solemn moment I could cultivate no Christian spirit towards Imbauzi. Feeling that he was honest, after all, I shook old Babemba's hand and gave him the letters I had written, asking him to try and get them to the coast. Then we started on our last walk. The Zulu hunters were already outside the fence, seated on the ground, chatting and taking snuff. I wondered if this was because they really believed in Mavovo's confounded snake, or from bravado, inspired by the innate courage of their race. When they saw me, they sprang to their feet, and, lifting their right hands, gave me a loud and hearty salute of, Inkuzi, Baba, Inkuzi, Mukumazahan. Then, at a signal from Mavovo, they broke into some Zulu war-chant, which they kept up till we reached the stakes. Sammy, too, broke into a chant, but one of a quite different nature. "'Be quiet,' I said to him. "'Can't you die like a man?' "'No, indeed, I cannot, Mr. Quatermain,' he answered, and went on howling for pity in about twenty different languages. 
Stephen and I walked together, he still carrying the Union Jack, of which no one tried to deprive him. I think the Mazitu believed it was his fetish. We didn't talk much, though once he said, "'Well, the love of orchids has brought many a man to a bad end. I wonder whether the governor will keep my collection or sell it.' After this he relapsed into silence, and not knowing, and indeed not caring what would happen to his collection, I made no answer. We had not far to go. Personally, I would have preferred a longer walk. Passing with our guards down a kind of by-street, we emerged suddenly at the head of the market-place, to find that it was packed with thousands of people gathered there to see our execution. I noticed that they were arranged in orderly companies, and that a broad open roadway was left between them, running to the sudden gate of the market, I suppose to facilitate the movements of so large a crowd. All this multitude received us in respectful silence, though Sammy's howls caused some of them to smile, while the Zulu war-chant appeared to excite their wonder or admiration. At the head of the market-place, not far from the king's enclosure, fifteen stout posts had been planted on as many mounds. These mounds were provided so that everyone might see the show, and, in part at any rate, were made of soil hollowed from fifteen deep graves dug almost at the foot of the mounds or rather there were seventeen posts, an extra-large one being set at each end of the line in order to accommodate the two donkeys, which it appeared were also to be shot to death. A great number of soldiers kept a space clear in front of the posts. On this space were gathered Bowsey, his counsellors, some of his head-wives, in Bowsey more hideously painted than usual, and perhaps fifty or sixty picked archers with strung bows and an ample supply of arrows, whose part in the ceremony it was not difficult for us to guess. "'King Bowsey,' I said, as I was led past that potentate, "'you are a murderer, and heaven above will be avenged upon you for this crime. If our blood is shed, soon you shall die, and come to meet us where we have power, and your people shall be destroyed.' My words seemed to frighten the man, for he answered, "'I am no murderer. I kill you because you are robbers of men.' moreover it is not i who have passed sentence on you it is imbauzi here the chief of the doctors who has told me all about you and whose spirit says you must die unless my brother dogeetah appears to save you if dogeetah comes which he cannot do because he is dead and vouches for you then i shall know that imbauzi is a wicked liar and as you were to die so he shall die yes yes screeched imbauzi if dogeetah comes as that false wizard prophesies and he pointed to mavovo then i shall be ready to die in your place white slave dealers yes yes then you may shoot me with arrows king take note of these words and people take note of these words that they may be fulfilled if dogeetah comes said mavovo in a great deep voice i take note of them answered bauzi and i swear by my mother on behalf of all the people that they shall be fulfilled if dogeetah comes good exclaimed mavovo and stalked on to the stake which had been pointed out to him as he went he whispered something into mbauzi's ear that seemed to frighten that limb of satan for i saw him start and shiver however he soon recovered for in another minute he was engaged in superintending those whose business it was to lash us to the posts this was done simply and effectively by tying our wrists with a grass rope behind these posts, each of which was fitted with two projecting pieces of wood that passed under our arms and practically prevented us from moving. Stephen and I were given the places of honour in the middle, the Union Jack being fixed by his own request at the top of Stephen's stake. 
Mavovo was on my right, and the other Zulus were ranged on either side of us. Hans and Sammy occupied the end posts respectively, except those to which the poor jackasses were bound. I noted that Hans was already very sleepy, and that shortly after he was fixed up, his head dropped forward on his breast. Evidently his medicine was working, and almost I regretted that I had not taken some while I had the chance. When we were all fastened, Imbazi came round to inspect. Moreover, with a piece of white chalk he made a round mark on the breast of each of us, a kind of bull's-eye for the archers to aim at. "'Ah, wait, man,' he said to me as he chalked away at my shooting-coat. "'You will never burn anyone's hair again with your magic shield. Never, never. For presently I shall be treading down the earth upon you in that hole, and your goods will belong to me.' I did not answer, for what was the use of talking to this vile brute when my time was so short? So he passed on to Stephen and began to chalk him. Stephen, however, in whom the natural man still prevailed, shouted, "'Take your filthy hands off me!' and, lifting his leg, which was unfettered, gave the painted witch-doctor such an awful kick in the stomach that he vanished backwards into the grave beneath him. "'Oh! Well done, Wazila!' said the Zulus. "'We hope that you have killed him.' "'I hope so, too,' said Stephen, and the multitude of spectators gasped to see the sacred person of the head witch-doctor, of whom they evidently went in much fear, treated in such a way. Only Babemba grinned, and even the King Bowsey did not seem displeased. But Imbauzi was not to be disposed of so easily, for presently, with the help of sundry myrmidons, minor witch-doctors, he scrambled out of the grave, cursing and covered with mud, for it was wet down there. After that I took no more heed of him or of much else. Seeing that I had only half an hour to live, as may be imagined, I was otherwise engaged. End of chapter 10